Hello and welcome. This is Reverend Mark Bishop, Interim Pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We say this because we try to live God's extravagant welcome. You are always welcome to be a part of our family at St. Paul UCC here in Wapak. May God bless us abundantly as we worship together. This morning is a good example of why I make it a spiritual discipline as, as pastor to follow the lectionary. These are, these are not parables that I would have chosen. Sorry, they're not my favorites. They're not good news. They're parables about judgment and challenge. And which one of us in our comfort comfortable spirituality wants to be challenged. These are what the interpreters call allegories. That is, there's not a lot of places in the, in the scriptures where you, you, it's legitimate to say this represents that and this represents that, but that's what an allegory does. And so we have to spend a little bit of time with both of these stories, one very ancient from Isaiah, some 600 years before Jesus, well known to, to Jesus and his followers. And in that first Isaiah one, we need to think about that, that uh, simply, that God is the vineyard owner and that the Jews, Jew, those from the tribe of Judah are the caretakers of the vineyard. And the interesting twist is that we are the third party judges about how well the relationship between God and his people are going. It's an interesting twist in that old one. And the other twist is that maybe we should read this remembering what we've been talking about the, the, the last several weeks about people crying to God and God hearing our cries. This is a different kind of cry. Maybe this is a, a song, a cry of God. 
And maybe we're the ones that need to hear God's cry. That's how it is in relationships. It's two-way. Let me read it that way and, and see what you think. This is God speaking to us. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard, creation, the universe. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He, he expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? What more is there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Now, I was interested in Linda's list of things that are required for their not for grapes not to go wild. I knew that that that. You have to prune it, for one, but there's a couple of other things that you mentioned that I thought was interesting. In other words, this parable says that the caretakers hadn't, hadn't done anything. Hadn't done anything. Creation's resilient. We don't have to take care of it. It'll produce anyway. Now, I had a little trouble writing this sermon because I don't like being negative. I really like being inspirational in my sermons. But I'm sorry, you can't get around the judgment in both of these parables. Stewardship isn't just about giving money and time in church. It's about taking care of creation. And we're in this together. It's the only earth that God created. We're a part of it. And I'm going to ask you a question. You wonder why the church is not growing? Because we've been on, we have a history of being on the wrong side of things. We see it clearly when we look in the past about how Galileo was treated when he first blasphemied against the teaching of the church and said that the sun didn't revolve around the earth, that the earth revolved around the sun. He literally was imprisoned for his false teachings. And there are many, many other stories like that where the church has been on the wrong side of things. And we have now had the warmest September in recorded history. 
I think there's a couple of other months this, this summer that have been the warmest months in recorded history. Scientists are virtually unanimous, not completely, but virtually unanimous, as close as scientists get, in telling us that we are in a climate crisis. And yet I was really distressed by the results of a public religion research survey that I read this week that said, no single faith community exceeds one-third of its adherents viewing Earth's current situation as a crisis. That is that two-thirds of us are poo-pooing it and are saying, ah, we don't need to take care of the Earth. It'll grow. It's resilient, just like those who did not tend to grapes thought that the grapes would just grow. The only Americans who, whose concern for the climate crisis has grown in the last decade are the religiously unaffiliated. You get the connection? They look at the church and say, the church is not only irrelevant, it's backward thinking, and they don't get it. So why in the world would I want to join up with them? And so we need to be praying about how relevant we are about not just climate change, and, but many, many, many other issues. What are we paying attention to in the church? I think we as Americans are, are paying attention to uh, what I call the, the new religion of the economy. And that is that we make decisions based on whether it's good for the economy rather than whether it's good for creation. Even if creation suffers, that's a necessary evil. Walter Brueggemann said, and I quote, now this is a little dense, so you, you, you might, have to, uh, might have to read it twice. Inequitable economic practice in which those who are prosperous aggressive and greedy, eventually confiscate and possess the houses and fields of their more vulnerable neighbors. Let me read it again. Inequitable economic practice in which those who are prosperous, aggressive, and greedy eventually confiscate and possess the houses and fields of their more vulnerable neighbors. That's the widows and orphans that Jesus talked about all the time. Isaiah simply calls them the nobility of Jerusalem, and he writes some not easy words. But I'm reminded of what's going on in in our arguments about fake news and what's real news and what are facts and what is, what is science and what can be trusted. When I hear Isaiah say, you who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light 
and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Ah, you who are wise in your own eyes and shrewd in your own sight. Ah, you who quit the guilty for a bribe. <laughs> is, this the, is this today's news or what? And deprive the innocent of their rights. Wow. It, it sounds like it was written for today, doesn't it? It's instead of 2,500 years ago. Some things haven't really changed. Changed. I, t I told you I was afraid of being negative this morning. You're not ever going to hear the same kind of sermon from me twice, I hope. This morning, I think I and you are receiving a word from the Lord. We need to address climate change. Now, often relationship with God is, you want me to do what? And today it is, you want me to say what? That, that, that's, what I, <laughs> that's what I got. You want me to say what? Now, you got to know that I'm one of those bleeding heart liberals in some ways. I really, I really don't think I am. I think I'm an independent. I think I'm in the middle somewhere. But I haven't bought a pure gasoline car since 2004. I've only bought hybrids and yes, I've read that I may not be helping anything by doing that. The lithium from the batteries comes from China. Back then in 2004, the ship the the car was literally shipped from Japan, which is a a total waste of of uh, energy, right? What we do, the decisions we make, is com are complicated. I, I don't know whether I'm making the right decision. But we have to make our best guess about how to be caretakers of creation. We can't just say, well, that's politics. I, don't, I can't figure that out. We must participate in this. That's what good stewards do. We make our best guess at how we can make those vines thrive. How we can raise luscious, delicious grapes and not let them go wild. We can argue about what must be done, but not that we're in a crisis and both parties in Washington have shown us this week what they care about, political parties fiddling while Rome is burning, wanting government to just not work isn't governing. And let's not fool ourselves. And it's only when folks, good intentioned folks like ourselves, call them to task that we're going to get governing. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you 
and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. Now that's not, that's not a threat of some sort of, uh, of judgment after death. That's, that's that the natural and logical consequences of not paying attention to our jobs to be caretakers of creation the natural and logical results are not going to be pleasant. They're going to be a kind of judgment. What do we do? Let's talk. Let's use our wealth to influence the direction we're moving in. Let's vote. What we don't get to do is get mad and quit. What we don't get to do really, and you often hear us say it, I, I can't listen to the news anymore. We don't get to do that. We don't get to quit. We are a people of hope. We are stewards. God says so. We can get around it. And if we think we are getting around it by just quitting, we're really fooling ourselves. There's a lot of vines to be pruned. There's a lot of fertilizer to be spread. Don't think, of, don't think about that one too long. There are many desperate prayers to be lifted up to God, the God of this wonderful creation, asking for some sacred help with all these things. We live in hope that we can be a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. We are a people of hope, a people of faith, who know that God is always faithful. God is always with us. And the parables this morning challenge us with the question, are we faithful stewards? I'll leave you with that thought and ask you to pray about it. What is your part in taking care of creation? We pray that you have found blessing and enrichment in joining us for worship today, as we are truly blessed to have you worship with us. Peace and blessings to you, and thank you for joining us today. If you would like to support the ministries of St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, you can do so in three ways. First, you can mail in your gifts to St. Paul at P.O. Box 147, Wapakoneta, Ohio, 45895. Secondly, you can send your gifts online from our website, stpaulucc.com. Lastly, you can text the amount you would like to give by texting us at 844 971 1800. Come join us again at St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.